Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wick Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> What's up, y'all? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. (laughs) And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of comics that have come out this week and review them on our comic book podcast. Kicking it off. That is it. Yeah, that's the concept. That's the pitch right across the plate. That's the take. Yeah. X-Corp. Number one from Marvel Comics, written by Teeny Howard, art by Alberto Fucci. Uh, in this book, we are very similar to Way of X, where that was looking at the religious side of what's going on in the X-Men universe. Yeah. This is looking at the business side. We've got Menet Saint-Croix and Angel Ooh. Warren Worthington are leading up the X-Corp. They're trying to monetize everything that's going on with the X-Men. Um, well, there's still some action and there's some multiple man ridiculousness going on here. I already see Pete nodding his head. No, no, no. So why don't we go to Justin? What's your take on this one? So I'm saying yes, yes, yes. Do you think um, uh, Monet is related to um, LaCroix, the LaCroix franchise? She had a bit of a pamplemousse taste to her in this wow. issue. <laughs> um, I bougie shit right there. Yes. And that's what this issue is all about, really. Yeah. Um, I like this book uh, a lot. I, it, You know what it, ri- it reminds me of? Perhaps a not popular run of a comic on Wildcats. I think it was their uh, their V3 or their season three of Wildcats where it was the team was running the uh, corporation mm-hmm. um, and it was about like building new batteries. Uh, but there was something about it that really caught me and this same thing. It's about the machinations that go on. Uh, we're, I love this very small team. Um, I always love seeing multiple man. He's uh, in yet a new sort of iteration that I don't quite know how it works. Because uh, a Plus lot of his boy penance is here. No, that's um, Monet saying Monet turns into something called penance. It's different. But Ooh. yes, but it's the same name as penance, but a different penance. Yes. Yeah, I thought it was like so Justin involved. just likes the concept of penance. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I feel like um, my penance for interrupting Pete is to um, keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. I like this as well. I thought for sure you were going to call out Peter David's X Factor because that feels like the primary inspiration behind this book, uh, just in terms of tone and the humor and everything that's going on. And like we talked about with Way of X, I like exploring other aspects of this world because the first titles out of the gate, a lot of them were very good, but they all felt like they were struggling with the idea of, yeah, these are different X-Men teams. 
You know, they weren't yeah. calling it that, but that's essentially what it was in different formats. And I think with the second iteration here, we're getting this writing team being much more comfortable with, okay, people are established. They're reading this. They understand this concept. We know it's weird. We don't have to coddle them anymore. Let's take the uh, guide rails off and just go for it. And I know yeah. that's your least favorite thing about it, Pete, and I get that. But I'd rather see weird and interesting exploration of this X-Men side of the universe. There is so much crazy shit happening in X-Men. We have no idea what's going on in certain aspects. And instead of dealing with, dealing with that, they're like, you know what we should explore? The business side. Oh, man, who doesn't want to know about them? how business works? I do. How, how are you making this worse? Oh, let's do this. I, I just, I, I don't want to see people you know, double talking each other, just lying, doing business moves, bullshit, going back and forth. Oh, wow. Flying Island. Cool. We're going to go pick somebody up. Great. But like, what are we doing? I, I don't, what I never, I, I kind of skirt understanding your point, Pete, until you get to things like who would find a fucking flying Island. Cool. Come on. That's stupid people. Like that is inherently cool. It's a flying Island that floats over and attacks things. Yeah. yeah. But it just goes to pick up one person, a whole Island. Are you telling me one if person. an Island came to pick you up, you'd be like, whatever, not interested. I'd be like, guys, it seems like a waste of resources. <laughs> you know, we could have used any of the other fucking things we have. Pete, just imagine your great, great grandfather. If he knew that you had a car, pick you up an Uber and drive you somewhere. Oh, think about oh, that. Okay. Right. Man, our our children right or our children's children might be being picked up by islands all the time. <laughs> oh, I I'm ready to go saying. home. Call the island. I, I, the island. I, I'm Uber. too drunk. Call the island. I think this is good. I enjoy it. Let's move on to another one, though. Time Before Time, number one from Image Comics, written by Declan Shalvey and Rory McConville, art by Joe Palmer. In this book, time travel exists and... It's mainly used for taking rich folks and moving them to safe places in the past because the future is so bad. Uh, predictably, things go very, very wrong with this concept. Um, but I like this a lot. Loved Joe Palmer's art. I thought this was really good. I thought yeah. the writing here was very interesting and a different take on time travel. What did you guys think? This was fun. There's some great um, twists and turns. I love this sort of big conversation that happens. I won't spoil uh, what happens, but... The big conversation that happened sort of two-thirds of the way through the book I thought was awesome and super sad, but also very interesting. I, I think this is a great book. Great first yeah. issue. I, th I really love the kind of like setup of this book. The art's fantastic. Even though they're kind of dealing with different times, the way they're kind of dealing with it was interesting. Yeah, there's like a part in here that's very touching, uh, you know, about getting old and shit and how uh, I, I just – I thought it was uh, very creative in a fun in a fun way that I think did a good job for getting you excited for more. I'm going to say Bottle Rocket with a Time Machine. Ooh, nice take. Wonder Woman number 722 from DC Comics, written by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad, art by Travis Moore. Nice. We have been loving this run so far that has taken Diana and put her in the Norse mythology. Lots of big revelations in this issue as we start to figure out exactly what's going on here. I continue to think this run is great. I love I, this. I agree. It's it's a really cool adventure. It's weird how Wonder Woman needs help and keeps dying. That part bothers me. But uh, I really love the art. Really love 
uh, the the storytelling. Great use of Odin. Um, yeah, I, I'm having a lot of fun with this book. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, when Wonder Woman was sort of taken off the table um, after the last big event, um, I was like, oh, they'll probably just reintroduce her in a, you know, in a year or whatever. And I think this is such a more interesting, fun, and smart way of doing it. And uh, I can't wait to keep reading it. I'm going to say um, Bottle Rocket with Valkyries. Oh, my God. You're the worst. <laughs> Next up, here's Bottle Rocket with Amazing Spider-Man, Giant Size, <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man, King's Ransom, number one for Marvel, written by Nick Spencer, art by Roger Antonio, with Carlos Gomez and Z. Carlos. This is, as you can probably figure out from the title, this is a one-shot spinning out of Amazing Spider-Man that is showing us what's going on with the mysterious tablets that Boomerang and Spider-Man have been after, as well as the Kingpin. Um, There is a big surprise return at the end of this issue, as well as twists of plenty. I have, as we've talked about here on the podcast, been a little down on Amazing Spider-Man because it's been so caught up in that whole kindred thing for a while. This, I thought, was more what I expect from Amazing Spider-Man. It's fun. It's enjoyable. It's clearly Nick Spencer playing on his, uh, what was it, Superior Foes of Spider-Man book here and channeling a little bit of that energy. And I I had a good time reading this. I mean, Nick Spencer's in love with Boomerang and has been for years. Um, (laughs) uh, And this is the sort of the ultimate payoff of that. Um, So it's good to to see that. I like the return, the surprise return at the end. Um, Feels very like Web of Spider-Man from the mid-90s when Mm -hmm. I was really getting into Spider-Man comics. Um, So that's cool. To your point, Alex, Nick Spencer's tone has been a little bit all over the place. And I would like some stabilization on that because this is still in the little bit in the middle where it's like fun stuff, fun stuff, fun stuff. I'm still as depressed about the bad stuff that happened like four issues ago, but fun stuff. And I'm like, well, what is the what is our status quo? Yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And that's why I like this. Like, OK, this is number one giant size. Let's, let's kind of get a fresh start. Walk away from that bullshit he's doing before. And so I kind of like, okay, Nick Spencer, not angry. Let's do this. And so I really uh, like this uh, first issue, and I felt like uh, this is something I can get behind. So I'm I'm happy with this, and I'm hoping he doesn't piss me off. Next up, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, number 25 from Boob Studios, written by Jerry Lambert, art by Valentina Pinti. The big twist in this issue is that the characters in this reboot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer head to the continuity of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV series. So we're getting both casts kind of, but not exactly interacting. Um, I love the idea here, and I love the joke that they have at the end that I'm not 100% sure I should spoil, but it's a Mm -hmm. long-time-running joke for fans of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that pays off really nicely here. Um, But I feel like the execution was a little bit muddled, to be honest. It was hard to keep track of which characters are which, So I'm engaged in the idea enough that I want to read another issue and kind of see where this goes. But um, this didn't totally work for me. Uh, What about you guys? I feel the same way. It feels like it's like sliders, um, but but for Buffy. And they don't really – it's just complicated. It's a little – there's too much talking about how complicated it is and not enough just like doing it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I hear you. I think uh, this is some great art. They're uh, they're having a lot of fun. It's clear there's a lot of like winking to things that I don't get, but uh, <laughs> it's you know the the characters and the kind of humor of this make it good enough to kind of read and worth picking up. Um, I'm just not sure. I it feels like I should be having more fun than I am. Very light on the actual vampire slaying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, should be a little bit more of that. Hopefully, almost the next issue. haven't seen a vampire slate <laughs> in quite a few issues. Let's move on then and talk about the Joker number three from DC Comics, written by James Tynion the Fourth and Sam Johns, art by Gillian March this, and Mirka Andalfo. If if I remembered to write this down earlier, I would have said this was my favorite. Mm. <laughs> So we've been pretty high on this book, which is much more a Commissioner Gordon book than a Joker book. Uh, I think last issue I called it kind of Hannibal, but with the Joker and Commissioner Gordon, that kind of comes to bear, I think, in this issue, but in a very different and surprising way. The tension here, the way that they're building it up is so good. So much fun. Yeah. Can't say enough about Gilbert March's art, as always. Just great stuff. What'd you guys think? I I loved this. I thought it was so great. The fact that you were kind of dealing with Gordon and like all the shit that he's been through in Gotham and like how he deals with it and how he reflects on it and just like his description of Joker like driving him mad was so intense and like I really felt this issue. I thought it was just like Really, really fun. I I got very excited. I think this is definitely worth checking out. Yeah, the character exploration of uh, Commissioner Gordon, like, you really haven't seen him done like this before. And it's dark, but it, breaking new ground in a great way. And then the sort of twist at the end is, uh, is really good. Uh, it's this sort of long... The issue's like a long march toward, like, oh, what's going to happen? And then, boom, the door opens, and it's definitely not what you thought. Yeah. Great stuff. This book is so good. I can't wait to read the next issue. Next up, one of our favorites, Ice Cream Man number 24 from Image Comics, written by W. Maxwell Prince, art by Martin Morazzo. In this issue, we're getting a fundraiser for a guy... Oh. And that's it. Just a random guy. His life is bad. Things go bad for him. Nobody's raising money for him. But the smart concept here that I think they're really playing with is the idea of how complicit we are in the suffering of comic book characters merely by being readers who flip the page. Um, maybe not the absolute strongest or most mind-blowing issue of Ice oh, Cream wow. Man, but still very well done, very smart, great art as always. I, yeah, I, I mean, re- even good ice cream is still great, Alex. Thanks, you Stephen would love Baldwin ice cream. from Threesome. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Wow. I got what you're saying. I got yeah. you. He said, I think he said about say, pizza. He was talking about pizza, not ice cream. He but, was talking about oh, pizza wow, and sex. The fact I'm that you about, know that I, is unbelievable. Yeah. Ice, ice cream, cream is just cold pizza. Oh, yes. That's, that's sweet. Right. Yeah, and all in, and mushed up, and all mm-hmm. mushed up. Yeah. Pizza's yeah. not milk-based. And there's a truck that drives around and says, cold mushed up pizza <laughs> in a cone. Cold mushed up pizza, man. Pizza here. Ice cold pizza. Pizza, man. Stop. Can't wait to go back to the ball game and have the pizza man toss me an ice cold pizza. 
Pizza, pizza man. Pizza, pizza, pizza man, right? Pizza, pizza man. I wish I was in the same room with you guys. What would you do if you were in the same room? I wish we were in the same room. I miss seeing you guys. We were just talking about when are we going to see each other in person again. And Pete suggested a lovely trip to London, which I thought so. (laughs) Which made no sense. Why not? It was an option on the email, you fuckers. Anyways, here's the thing. Okay, I'm not going to stand for this. Ice Cream Man is fantastic. I love this whole thing about like how, when, and where people to choose to care about people, how they choose to care about him. And then like I like the way it ended, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna raise money for his funeral." And I bet that would have made more money than to save his life because that's how fucked up we are. But I really think it was a cool. That's why I'm really impressed about Ice Cream Man is you don't know what you're gonna get. But it's always interesting. It's always very cool and creepy and really interestingly done. And I I continue to be impressed by these. Life is like a box of cold pizza. You'll never know what you're going to get. Right, this one tastes Are you like a Cajun? <laughs> what, what accent was that? I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. This book is great. Pick it up regardless of any nonsense we just talked about. Rorschach Thank number you. eight from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Ore Fornes. In this issue, we have our main investigator is looking deeper into the mystery of what went on with our comic book author and cowboy kid. Uh, also in this issue, Frank Miller is arrested for conspiracy for murder. Uh, lots of stuff going on. I thought this issue was great. It's this, just this book favorite. is fun. This book yeah. is so fun. I mean, and it's weird what is like really compelling in comics. But like when I was like Frank Miller's being dragged out, and he's like uh, causing all these problems. Like that's very good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I thought it was. I have no idea what's happening, but I'm having a really great time with this book. It's very like this issue is very segmented uh, based on the different people, but they're all kind of being questioned. Uh, it's very kind of creepy, cool, interesting, intriguing. Uh, it's just great, great storytelling in a very interesting uh, way. And uh, it's very impressive. I mean, in particular, we've talked about this a little bit with Batman Catwoman, which honestly, I have a little bit of a problem following exactly what's going on Mm. in terms of the time period here. I believe it's Dave Stewart is on the colors and that delineates the three different interrogations we're getting over the course of the issue and that makes it very easy to follow uh so you have this progressive story that's happening over three different time periods but it all makes sense i think the place that we're heading towards here is this guy this investigator is becoming rorschach like slowly over the course of it um just as whatever you see in a rorschach is about yourself. The same thing is happening to him. Um, I think we talked about that a couple of issues back and that keeps striking me issue after issue. Um, Like with a lot of Todd King stuff, like we talked about before, I think it's going to become more clear as we head towards the end, but this is great. I think think they're all Rorschach. Because if you sat in a therapy session with a Rorschach mask on, I think the therapist's head would explode. Hmm. Fair enough. Uh, something to think about. Um, I think the 
the book is sort of feels like it's sort of about the seductive nature of conspiracies. Mm-hmm. And um, I think you're right, Alex, like we're seeing this investigator sort of fall down it. And now we've introduced much more no quote unquote normal people who are been tied up in this conspiracy. And then there's a great reveal at the end of this issue um, that uh, pushes it forward yet another or ratchets, ratchets it up another level. Um, and every, there's so many ideas here. And it just feels like it's just poking you a little bit harder each time. Yeah. Next up, Heroes Reborn, number two from Marvel, written by Jason Aaron, art by Del Keown, uh, with Carlos Magno and Egg McGinnis on the backup story. This is a really weird second issue of this book. The first one set up that the history of America had been changed. Captain America was never rescued from the ice or maybe died. Blade is the only one who remembers the real history while the Squadron Supreme is in charge. In this issue, we get two stories set in this world. The first one about Hyperion to the point where I kept checking the cover just to make sure I wasn't reading Heroes Reborn, Hyperion, One Shot, or something like that. Um, Still good stories and good art. It's just surprising to read this in an event. Did you guys feel the same way? Uh, I... I, I I just thought I I didn't think it I wasn't confused by the title but I definitely was like uh this is really we're spending a lot of yeah. time with Hyperion but I, Alex I thought, if you just read the title it, that's the that's yeah, what the book's about. says I'm not a dumb idiot like you Alex <laughs> that's not what I was saying didn't have I, to keep flipping back like some sort of tiny brain but I uh I did you know I didn't go to Cornell so I'm not that smart but I was smart enough to read the title and then hold it uh, <laughs> while I read the comic but I do think yeah, that, what are you like, at crouton you can't hold on to that info? <laughs> I did, I did like the way it ended and got me excited for more. It got a little weird, but I thought it was interesting. The art and the action is, is fun enough to kind of keep me interested. And uh, the team is going to keep me coming back for more. So I'm, I'm still on board. Uh, I, I like this a lot as well. Um, it's interesting to me. It almost feels like this book is an indictment of DC Comics in a weird way. Did, mm. did anyone else like – it feels like the – Hyperion, the Squadron Supreme, and that team are like it's obviously a Justice League analog, but it also feels like they're being told in sort of this like unemotional way. Like they don't really have normal emotions; they're sort of sociopaths. And I think that might be sort of like a nod to the fact that a lot of the criticism of the DC heroes they they don't, aren't down to earth; they're gods, but they're not people. And Marvel Comics characters are always people first and heroes second. Um, so I don't know. That's what I was thinking as I was I reading just, this. I feel like, you know, you got to watch who you're calling a, a sociopath. I mean, it looks like you got a bunch of empty beer bottles and then a giant knife behind you. So just like, you know, be <laughs> that's cool. That's a drill. Okay. Also, no, those, I see those the drill, but that, that knife sheath hanging in the background, you know, is a little, um, a little that's a pool cue. Um, in a, oh, okay. In a, that's in, Lucille, uh, wrapped up, ready for, yeah, yeah. it's a pool so, cue with barbed Pete, wire on there. Uh, the fact that you saw a bunch of innocuous tools in a basement as knives, do you think that says more about Justin or about you? That's the, yeah, your Rorschach. This is your Rorschach, you crazy <laughs> nah, dude. I, I failed. <laughs> you just got Rorschacked. Let's move on then and talk about Geiger, number two from Image Comics, written by Jeff Johns, art by Gary Frank. Uh, This is picking up in a post-apocalyptic world where there is one man who is radioactive. Uh, There are a bunch of folks alive in Vegas, 
One is going after them. There's a big time dash here from the first issue to the second issue, which you must have hated, Pete. Yep. Vegas, but, baby. Uh, I'm curious to hear from you, Justin, because I think we talked about the first issue when you were not here on the podcast. Yeah, what was your take on this one? Um, this is uh, – I really love the Gary Frank art. Always great to yes. see Gary Frank yes. um, out there uh, making it happen. Um, and then uh, it's fun. I, I don't know. I wasn't like – uh, it wasn't crazy for uh, for this, um, I guess. Uh, the radioactive man, it, it feels a the little bit like man. the glowing man. It feels a little bit like this is a TV pitch uh, mm. in a way. Um, <laughs> Your voice went very high there at the end. Yeah. yeah you okay? Uh, yeah. I'm in a way. <laughs> in in uh, a way, I'm freaking out. What about you, Pete? What What was your take? I, I like this. Uh, it's we're kind of getting to know the world a little bit more in this issue and what's going on and who the players are. Uh, we glowing man was kind of just like this. Oh shit, what's happening? So I'm glad we got a little closer interaction with him, and he seems like a solid dude. So um, you know, anyone's going to save people. From he likes to read giant scorpions and stuff. Yeah, he's a reader. Um, you know, I would ask for a graphic novel, not a book, but, you know, that's just me. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's a good take on it because, uh, like we would say, Gary Frank's art is gorgeous and so well-drawn as usual. There's a reveal of a character's face about halfway, three-quarters of the way through the issue, which is really terrifying and upsetting in yeah. exactly the right way. Um, but it feel it doesn't feel big enough for this team yet you know i I think they had a shot across the bat with the first issue not quite as much with the second issue but it's setting up a lot of stuff we'll see i guess how it plays off in the long term next up superman number 31 from dc comics written by philip kennedy johnson and sean lewis art by scott godleski scott godleski and norm rapmund and sammy bossrier uh in this issue we're continuing the story of superman and his son in space fighting a weird alien menace um justin and you've been the number one fan of the PKJ era. How's this holding yeah. up for you? I love it. I mean, like, it's still um, the father-son stuff. You feel, despite all of the, like, wild stuff they're doing and just, like, we have to do, they have a lot of tasks. The the issues, the, this series right now is all about the connection between Superman and his son and how it's a little bit flipped where the son is trying to protect Superman so much. Um, and I think that's a great dynamic. It really is paying off all the stuff I loved about the earlier run before, um, before John was moved forward, aged up, uh, when he was with the Legion. Um, so I like this a lot. Pete, what about you? Yeah, I'm excited to see how this unfolds. <laughs> Feel just like this issue was just kind of like. Did you get a little sleepy there, Pete? <laughs> no, I just uh, this issue didn't grab me like the other issues. I really felt the uh, the father son dynamic more in other issues, and I feel like this was just kind of like, all right, we got to move some stuff around, get it ready for uh, the ending. So I was like, all right, I'm still into this. I'm excited to see how this unfolds, but this wasn't my favorite ish. All right, fair enough. Okay. Moving on to Carmen number three from Image Comics by Gillum March. Uh, this is his oh, solo title. This is about a woman who has uh, died by suicide. She is traveling around the city, revisiting key moments in her life, along with an avatar of death. We find out a little bit more of this world, this issue. Um, I really find myself liking this more and more every issue. I mean, yes. the thing that sucked me in 
was Gillum March's art to begin with, yeah. but this is the one where it really starts to pay off emotionally uh, and really yeah. crisp in in a certain way. I, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I was really impressed. I mean, it got away from the things that Zelbin liked, uh, like a, a naked lady floating around a city, and got into a little. Yeah, bit more my least it. favorite part is when she put on a jacket, Pete. Thank you for pointing yeah, yeah. that out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but just the, the what she was willing to do for this kind of stranger who is proposing. Uh, this is like heartbreaking stuff, and then to have the other kind of like person who's like working this job of helping these souls move on to the next kind of thing. Uh, very cool idea, very creative, and just like such a uh, uh, issue that was like, it hit you in the feels, man. Yeah, it was really emotional in the the back end. Like, yeah. to your point, Alex, like it did, uh, everything came into focus a little bit more. I feel like the first couple issues we were, definitely sort of in this dream state we're just like caught up in this beautiful art and this woman floating around the city uh it felt very like an untethered soul and then here like reality sort of comes back into sharp relief and we get some great details uh the march goes on the guillaume march there you go next up it's Batman. like bottle rocket oh. <laughs> Next up, Batman the Detective, number two from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by Andy Kubert. This is, like we talked about with the first issue, this is a not actually older Batman, but sort of writing it as an older Batman. Uh, he is going up against an organization that is trying to kill everybody that Batman has ever saved because yeah. they don't deserve to live, I guess is the idea. Um this is this is great. This is just Tom Taylor is always reliably good. Andy Kubert's art is great. Um, this is a very different feeling Batman book, and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, I I feel like I just sort of a sort of wider view. Like there's a lot of good Batman out there right now. The Batman universe is just really great with a lot of like very different types of stories being told right now. Uh, from the Joker we just talked about to this and uh, everything in the main title. Um, but, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I like this, uh, a lot. It's the, we never, don't ever get to see Batman in a weak place hmm. and we get a little bit of that here. It's, it's good. Yeah. I, I really agree. I think it's, uh, a fantastic story that they're exploring, uh, through kind of Batman and, uh, uh, the art's unbelievable. It feels like a really great, uh, kind of Batman story. I'm excited to see how this unfolds and who's behind the undoing of everything that kind of Batman has done. So I'm, I'm very excited. And Pete, I actually have a question for you. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm. Uh, tell me, do you bleed? Wait, are you quoting that shitty fucking Batman v Superman movie at me right now? When you shave your balls. Oh, <laughs> fuck me with this shit. Uh, Pete. <laughs> oh, man. Do you? <laughs> Stop. Do you bleed? <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> oh, my this God. Is, this is good. Uh, <laughs> but what I want to say is, but I, sorry, I hate to interrupt. Um, oh, but, yes. Um, uh, Alex is trying to set up that if you want to get a nice smooth shave, unlike Batman's facial stubble that we were just talking about, you should try the just-released Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer from Manscaped.com. 
This is the worst setup of all time. The good people of Gotham <gasps> deserve to know this week's episode is brought to you by Manscaped.com and the new Lawnmower 4.0. Is this, uh, are you doing Kristen Bale right now? Yeah. I think a breathy, doing. sort of a breathy of Bale. Uh, it's a it was lot a breathy of- Bale. He's in a high altitude area, so he's breathing really heavy. <laughs> My oxygen is very low. <laughs> uh, but I think what, uh, what um, uh, breathy, breathless Alex is referring to is the area below your utility belt, um, uh, where oh when you God. take advantage of the new advanced uh, ceramic blade and skin safe technology in the lawnmower 4.0. The Lawnmower 4.0. Am nope, I still there? Not necessarily. No, okay. no, no. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 4000K LED spotlight, allows you to use different guard lengths if you're going more Batfleck than Kilmer, and it's even uh, waterproof. Okay, all right. Uh, Justin was just uh, talking about how great Batman is, and we're mm-hmm. kind of insulting Batman right now. No, no, no. Thing. I'm saying, like, Batfleck, he always had the stubble going, oh. and Kilmer was more a clean-shaven Batman. Yes. And what the lawnmower is. has these different guardrails, so you can get both links if you really want to. What a great way for us all to think of um, these different Batman <laughs> stars. Um, it's just a couple of big old balls. Um, oh and I let me just say, if you want your balls to be smoother than the pearls that fell off of Martha <laughs> Wayne's neck. Oh, my God. What are we doing right now? This is the copy. They they wrote that. For, that was their idea. Yeah, they but, demanded this. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Just think as each pearl plink plinks down to the crime alley street, that's one very cleanly shaved ball with the Lawnmower 4.0. And good news, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code FANSIDED20. You can unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job, just like Batman does with Manscaped. Oh, yeah, I guess I could have gone for a whole, like, utility bell thing instead for the script. No, no, this I, is that. This is the right choice. <laughs> I'm, I'm and the sorry. other right choice is to get back to the stack and the reviews that we're doing. Let's talk about Spider-Man Spider-Shadow, number Woo-hoo! two from Mar- Marvel, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Moving Pascal Ferry. This is uh, a retake on the Venom symbiote story at the end of the last issue. It's we, like a what if. Yeah, so it's a what if, it's an extended what if, though. And at the end of the last issue, we saw Spider-Man kill Hobgoblin for killing Aunt May. That's where we pick off here, and it just gets worse. Uh, I really like this story. This is very dark. This is very upsetting. Uh, Pete, (laughs) I'm not saying I like Spider-Man killing people. I'm saying it's well done. seems like that's exactly what you're saying. I'm actually surprised that you don't love it. Well, that's the thing. What we're saying is a podcast. What we're saying as a podcast is this is our Spider-Man going forward. Oh, my God. No. That's not what we're In saying. In continuity. This is our base okay. continuity. Okay. First off, like, uh, you know, I did like when uh, Spider-Man got pissed off, wore the black, and was not as quippy and was more about kicking butt. But him straight up, like, ripping people's arms off in this and then just murdering people. Like, this is hard to watch. This is hard to see Spider-Man. This will, Even, like, Mary Jane is like, yo, guy. Like, this is, yeah, this is hard. I don't like this. There's stabbing going on. There's all sorts of fucked up shit. And this isn't Spider-Man. This is a different character. I agree. So Classic Spider-Man would have ripped off somebody's arms and then said something like, I got to hand it to you or, you know, oh, something no, like, that's a like fun, that. That's That'd a fun, fun. You know, uh, you I got to say, if, 
I just want to say, if you're continuing to listen after all the ball stuff and then uh, this, I thank you for your support. I <laughs> That's the spirit. Um, I got to say, I think there's something up with this suit. <laughs> yeah, suit. I don't know why. Uh, I think the fantastic. Oh. I think Reed Richards is going to figure it out. He's investigating, and mm-hmm. I think so. We're going to learn that it's not just Peter. I think Peter Parker is a, like a pretty decent guy, and there's mm. something up with the the change. Is he's got this goopy suit? I'll read oh. the next issue, and I'll be the judge of that. Um, oh, I like okay. this a lot too. I think it is dark in a great way. It's a it's a real Chip Zdarsky universe that we're living in this week, and uh, this guy is is killing it. Next up, Seven Secrets, number eight from Boom Studios, written by Tom Taylor, art by Danielle DiNicolo. In this issue, one of the big questions that we've had all along, what are even these secrets? We find out at least one of them, what they do and what they're all about this issue. It is big and weird and a good payoff. I was worried that this wasn't going to be something interesting or surprising, but it absolutely is. Um, I like this issue. I like the series. How about you guys? I, I just, who's mad at Switzerland? <laughs> I, why are we after Switzerland in this issue? I don't know. It's a neutral. Uh, no, it's I, like I feel, choose a side? Yeah, yeah. I think, I agree. This is, um, this is a fun kind of like, I'm surprised at how much I'm enjoying this because it's a lot of buildup with all secrets, all secrets. And we don't get one until the eighth issue. Um, so I, it, and it, agreeing with Zalvin here, like uh, it, it, it's worth it. It's worth the wait. This is very interesting. I'm, these have been a lot of fun and I'm continuing to enjoy the art and the world that this uh, has. Part of keeping a secret is not telling it for a while. Mm. Next up, American Vampire, Vampire, excuse me, 1976, number eight from DC Comics, written by Scott Snyder, art by Raphael Albuquerque. In this issue, we're getting the fallout of the big twist from two issues ago at this point, where our main heroes were betrayed and left for dead. Skinner Sweet makes a big decision in this issue, and it's very classic Skinner Sweet. Um what more can we say about this other than this is a great creative series that is marching towards its end game in an absolutely fantastic way? Yeah. Um, the fact that it's coming back down to Skinner, like there's a while there we're sort of like wobbling away from him a little bit. And then now it's, it feels like it's back on him again. And it's just like when you write a character as compelling as Skinner to have him really carry the story for all of this has been, it's been a great journey and it's great. Yeah. This continues to just kick ass the art, the storytelling. Uh, Yeah. This is really fun. I mean, we kind of got away from, uh, you know, the kind of the main focus and the last issue. And I was worried how long it would take to get back. But with this issue, we're right back in it. So very happy. All right, next up, Birthright, number 49 from Image Comics, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Andre Bresson. This is the second-to-last issue of this book. We're dealing with some big stuff here and some big changes for the main family. Justin, over to you. How you feeling, Uh, buddy? This this issue was the core of this book has always been about family and trying to get the family back together. like the Fast and the Furious. Nope, that's not what I was going to say. Birthright is Fast and Furious with... That's not 100% Yes, and this issue deals with family. Next issue is going to finally wrap up. Who's going to drink those Coronas? Let's find out. Yeah, the big... uh, Fast and Furious is um, about cars, though. It's about family. Mm -hmm. It's about family. I've never seen a car in that series. 
I haven't heard him talk about family too much in those movies. It's mostly uh, squealing wow. tires and stuff. No. Am you I not watching the, them as, yeah, close, as closely as I need to? I'm down or something. Uh, no, uh, yeah, this... And what's crazy is, like, how long this has been going on with this story arc. And you think, like, okay, <laughs> this is that's it. That's not a nice thing to say. <laughs> what's crazy about this is this shit has been dragging on forever. It's not it's dragging, dragging on. Ass. It's been impressive. <laughs> like, you know, it's all one giant story arc. And it's mm-hmm. uh, it's impressive that it's been able to go like this and go as hard as it's gone and also have these tender, nice moments. In the same way that Alex had a hard time reading and remembering the title to Heroes Reborn, I think, Pete, you need to notice the numbering. When, like, <laughs> you can't believe it's been going this long. It's been going, it's all one story. That's a yeah. se- what I call a series. <laughs> so, like, I think that makes a lot of sense. Fuck mm-hmm. you, man. You know, as well as I do, that some comic arcs are three issues, some are eight or whatever. And there's when you're dealing with 40 issues, uh, you know, there's a bunch of uh, arcs. In and this is just one. So, fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it really you could know, you imagine hey. if somebody tuned into this podcast to be like, "Wow, this is this, this, these guys have never reviewed comics before. <laughs> these guys, these <laughs> this is experts? new for them." <laughs> <laughs> um, no, what I was going to say is um, this comic from the jump has been about family, and <laughs> this is this issue really pays that off with the family photo they take. Yeah, that's and, really <laughs> fantastic. That great moment. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess I should just say we know we're talking about we're journalists, and this is <laughs> we're not journalists. We are, we no. are journalists. No I'm way. very excited for the last issue. There's a great it, this issue felt like a last issue up until yeah. the last page, and I think they do a good job of being like, but wait, there's something. That's the thing that's almost ended bad. a couple of times. Yes, it's almost like this is the end, and then there's a post-credit sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The last and to that point, here's a little pluggy-poo for all of you out there. Next month, when Birthright 50 comes out, we're going to have Joshua Williamson on the live wow. show Just that Tuesday so to talk shit. about the whole series and break it down and chat about everything. Um, so that should be super fun. Next up, Justice League, Last Ride, number one from DC Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Miguel Mendonca. This was originally supposed to be a digital first title, but now it looks like it's going directly to print, which is kind of interesting. This is a, uh, I guess, out of continuity story about the last Justice League story. So similar to how Chip Zdarsky is doing a what if for Spider-Man here, this is kind of a what if uh, Elseworlds type thing for Justice League. Um, The Justice League has fallen apart. They're brought back together for one last battle. What do you think about this one? Yeah, a lot I'm, of a lot of it's like the Justice League is in therapy a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the Batman Superman back and forth. I thought I really enjoyed that. It was a lot of fun. I, I think this was a, a really cool setup for a big event, and uh, I feel like it did a great job as a first issue. Kind of like, all right, here's the deal. Here's where everybody is. There's a lot of shit that's gone down, but they're gonna do it one last time, and uh, you know. I don't want to spoil the last page, but that's a fun reveal. It's a little bit what I was talking about before, where the DC heroes are don't have these human characteristics that are the focus for them. And this this issue is sort of putting giving them that and sort of grounding them with like Superman has this great anxiety. Um, Batman is too busy. <laughs> He's a dick. Uh, 
all these qualities that I think regular people have, we get to actually see them play out uh, amongst the Justice League. Yeah, I thought this was really nicely done. It took me a little while to figure out where this was in continuity until I realized, oh, wait, it's not actually in continuity. Mm. Um, but uh, art is good. It's a nice, solid Justice League story. It almost feels like, what is it, Tower of Babel, the one where Batman betrays everybody. Oh, it yes. feels uh, in line with that tonally a little bit, which I liked. Um, so good stuff. Next it's up, funny you bring you bring oh, that yeah. up. That I feel like that story where of uh, that was where Batman had all the um, ways to take mm-hmm. down the other heroes. Oh, wasn't that I feel uh, like Batman Doom, the animated uh, movie? Oh, might uh, be. Maybe they they used that because I do yeah. think that was in the comics first. But I do. Uh, but I feel like that has resonated so hard. Every Justice League story since then has been like, Batman, are you are you fucking with us? Are you <laughs> <to kill> us <laughs> secretly. And that's that's where we are here with this issue as well. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Magic number two from Boob Studios, written by Jed McKay, art by Iguara. We read the first issue of this and liked it, uh, despite not knowing much about the Magic or Magic the Gathering world. Uh, this one gets a lot more complicated, so it took me a little while to get into it, uh, to be honest. But I like where it ends up here. And of course, Jed McKay is always a reliable writer. Um, what would you guys think? Yeah, yeah. Had, I really love Jed McKay's work on the Black Cat series that um, he's been doing. We had Jed on the show, and the amount of research and deep dive stuff he talked about doing for this book is amazing. So if you're a fan of uh, magic at all, um, I think you've got to check this book out. Uh, like Alex, I haven't uh, done a lot of that. Um, I haven't experienced a lot of that. But they say a good game of, of magic is like ice cream. Sex. It's like fucking ice cream. Oh, so wow. I think you, you really got it's cold, but it's yeah. Worth you it. gotta you gotta fold it like this if you're in New York and you're walking down oh, the street. Yeah. Fold your there ice you cream. That's how you fold your ice cream cone. You crush it in your hand. <laughs> you fold it up. Eat it that way. Running down your hand, getting all York, over your shark skin suit. And our pizza cold. Oh my god. <laughs> You guys are the worst. Yeah, I love uh, the art and the action in this book are great. A lot of really cool uh, characters and character designs. Uh, Yeah, uh, over-the-top kind of blood and gut stuff. Uh, Yes, please, this is great. Yes, please. And when I read this comic, I fold the iPad in half, and then I throw it in the trash because it's broken. Future State Gotham number one from DC Comics, written by Joshua Williamson and Dennis Culver, art by Giannis Milino Giannis. Uh, This is continuing the anime, uh, sorry, manga, actually, style Red Hood storyline set in the future. Um, I thought this was really fun. I think uh, we all really like the Future State Red Hood stuff. I like this as well. What was your take, Pete? Uh, Yeah, I love the black and white art. I'm a sucker for that. Uh, yeah, this is just a, uh, really a fun story over the top. I, I, yeah, I thought it was, uh, just big action, badass and, uh, a fun backup story as well. Yeah. I didn't see this coming and, uh, it's great. I love the art in this. It felt like such a nice break from uh, all the other books we've been talking about today. And shout out to the, the pinup by Mobius in the back. Mm-hmm. Did not see that coming either. Very cool stuff. Next up, The Silver Coin, number two from Image Comics, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Michael Walsh. This is a horror anthology about a weird mystical silver coin that drives people to do things or gives them powers. We don't exactly know yet. The first issue was by Chip Zdarsky. This one is a riff on Sleepaway Camp massacre type stories. Uh, It's 
completely different from the first issue, but I thought a very well done, very dark story uh, from this team. I liked it quite a bit. Justin, I feel like you were not here also when we were talking about Silver Coin number one. So what did you think about this one? I really liked it. From the first couple of pages, I was like, ooh, this is going to be cool and horrifying. Um, And then it builds tension throughout. And then it goes so hard at the end that I was I was like, oh, God, summer's stressful. Summer's coming up. So Mm -hmm. um, and I love the way the coin just sort of the coin just gets to like roll on. Yeah. 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 That was like I kind of forgot about the coin. Uh, until we kind of saw it at the end. Uh, and then I was like, oh, shit, that's right. Uh, but, man, you got to really... look back at the first page. The first page usually has the title, and that lets yeah. you know kind of like what book it is. I yeah. know that from reading Heroes Reborn number two. Okay, mm. cool, yeah. And that's a good thing is you learn a lesson each time. See, mm. I get to the end of the book, and I'm like, I keep trying to take the back cover and slice it into an even smaller piece. Cause I'm like, I want more. I want oh, more. How does this, where does this Scott go Scott McCloud next? wrote about that in understanding comics. He oh, has a whole man. section on, you can't rip the back cover into two uh, tighter pages. Yeah. And, and we should read that because it, fold it in, you know, a trifold yeah. fashion. Mm-hmm. New York style. See, the thing is, this <laughs> is our first, this is our first time reading comic books. So we're all mm-hmm. learning a lot about them. Um, yeah. Uh, this is a true story. Actually, Alfred E. Newman uh, came into the Mad Magazine offices and tried to eat a magazine by like a pizza. And they were like, wait a second. I think we have something here with this back cover. We could trifold it. Let's do yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> New York way. Fold one side of the pizza in halfway and the other side and you match up your pepperonis and you make a funny image. <laughs> That's the New York way of I eating did, pizza. I did uh I really did feel like they kind of uh got the vibe of like a new person at a camp where a lot of mm. people know each other and like how uh Kind of fucked up they can feel when you're the odd person out. Similarly, and, uh, uh, Pete, and I agree with your point, absolutely. What did you think about, like, the side doodles on a pizza? Because that was always my favorite part. <laughs> I liked pepperoni versus pepperoni, where the black pepperoni <laughs> would try to kill the white pepperoni. <laughs> Pete, then let me give you a shout-out here at the end, too, because literally we're doing a bit, and I thought you were going to jump on the bit, and you literally ignored every single word that Alex and I said. It seamlessly picks back up with your thoughts on this book. Yeah, some of us are trying to, you know, keep you the truly, ship moving forward. You truly are. The, <laughs> the, the fun thing about ships, us. the fun thing about ships is they often park in fun little islands and they have a little fun. Yeah, remember when like, we were talking about that floating island like two hours? Ago? I don't like island fucking. So you know, <laughs> you don't like going to an island and having sex on it, which is as we've proved tonight, like a broken up ice cream cone in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you take an ice cream cone and lay it on a pizza and tuck it into a bed and be like, go to town, you little snacks. <laughs> Good night, ice cream. Proctor Valley Road, number three from Boom Studios, <laughs> by Grant Morrison and Alex Child. Art by Naomi Franquiz. This is continuing the story of these kids who have discovered, as you can probably tell from the title, a very weird, very terrifying road. They keep going back there and more yeah. horrifying things happening. Um this is the most Grant Morrison issue I felt of this title where Really? Yeah, I just uh had a little trouble kind of hanging on to everything that was going on. Um huh. but it sounds like maybe you didn't, Pete. No, I just um 
I'm surprised every time I read uh, this book, the the Proctor Valley Road, I keep being like, oh, man, I can't believe Grant Morrison is writing this because it's really kind of like the art makes it seem like, oh, it's very kind of like oriented towards these kids. And he does a great job of like getting their voices and different. I, I don't know. There's heart there. And it's just it's not like weird tripped out shit. In, in, a, in a way that I don't understand, I'm able to follow the story uh, in a way that I don't, I can't normally do with Morrison. So I feel like this is, even though it's it's not as straightforward with this issue, uh, I'm appreciating this kind of new side of Morrison in this. Um, yeah, uh, I guess I, I I liked it. Got crazy at the end. I feel like classic Graham Morrison. He was like, "Well, let me throw a couple." zingers in here uh to button it up um love the flaming wagon wheel uh but yeah i think i sort of in the in between the two of you where i i like all this stuff and uh the complexity the grant morrisonness of it i've missed that it's been a way for quite some time and the art's unbelievable Last but not least, Black Hammer Visions number four from Dark Horse Comics, written by Mariko Tamaki, art by Diego uh Olo Turg uh, Lardigua. There you go. Uh, This is an anthology series set in the Black Hammer universe. This is definitely, in my opinion, the wooliest of them, but I still really enjoyed reading it as the Black Hammer crew jumps through a bunch of different alternate realities, some of them filmed otherwise. Um, I I still liked it. I like the art. I like the characters. um, But it was definitely the weirdest one of this series so far for me. Uh, yeah, I liked I liked the weirdness. To me, it felt like a comment on just the way we all of our media has just so there's so much versioning of different things. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I like the comic book, then it's developed into a TV show, then a, a movie, and then back into an adaptation of the movie becomes the comic book. That feels like what they're doing here, and in a great way that like this this anthology series just gets to play so hard with these characters like no other series gets to like do so much with uh with their their characters in such a sort of a poetic way to get weird and i really like this book yeah i i got a, it got a little uh, a little too tripped out for me with the tv show inside the comic book inside the tv show thing but i thought it was the best version of the tripped out old guy that i've seen yet so I'm excited that that's finally going to make start making some sense, hopefully. Uh, but, man, this book continues to be very creative, very well drawn, and always interesting. I completely agree. And that is it for the stack. If you'd like to support the show and other shows, wow. we do patreon.com slash comic book club. What, Pete? I thought we were going to go off about more, you know, dick freeze and fucking pizza fucking or whatever you guys were doing. No, that's for the after Pete, show. Pete, oh. what are you talking about? You're, you're sick. <laughs> sick, Pete. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast. More iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow at ComicBookLive on Twitter. Until next time, we'll see you at the pizza ice cream fucking shop. <laughs> <laughs>